Do please take your seats. And if you'd like to turn to page 1140 in the Bibles, um, it's Romans chapter 13. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's, um, let's pray then before we start. Heavenly Father, as we open up this subject, this huge subject in your word of love, I just pray that tonight that uh, you will bring us some new stuff from your word, uh, something that we can uh, love and praise you for more, something that we can uh, think about doing, something we can apply. And just ask you that you'll be with us now as we look at your word and you'll bless us. Amen. So love in the Bible, it's a, um, it's a huge subject. Um, it's, there's whole chapters written on it in the scriptures. What about Nephilim? Anybody come across that word in the scriptures? It, it, it's got two verses in the Old Testament where it appears. And it's not a word that you'd expect to be talking about when you're on holiday in Corfu. Gwyneth and I were there about 20 years ago. We met this really nice couple who turned out to be Jehovah's Witnesses. And we, we struck up a friendship and we had some happy evening chats. One night they started talking to us about Nephilim. There's only the two references and nobody's really certain quite how to translate that. But they had this huge doctrine, all to do with the Nephilim. The Nephilim kind of disappeared in the early part of the Old Testament. Then they reappeared in a mysterious and hard-to-understand verse in um, 1 or 2 Peter. And then I remember asking them about something else that was quite a big Bible theme. And they were very, very uncertain on that. And I was really shocked that they could have these two verses, two references, very, very tightly Understood with a huge doctrine supporting it that I couldn't see any basis for. And yet this big Bible subject they were missing on. So as we come to look at this, this Bible passage tonight, um, it's, it contains some of the two biggest themes of the New Testament. Love and also Christ's second coming. 
Um, and we're mainly going to look at love tonight. Um, and this is a big subject. It's one that, that we should know a lot about because it's a key subject of the New Testament. I'm missing my PowerPoint tonight because I stupidly made it with not enough contrast on it. So white on blue just looks washed out. So when I've got a headline, I'll sort of do something like this to try and give you an idea that we're moving on to a new point. Uh, I've only had three slides. Uh, We're going to look to begin with at the background of how Paul got to this point in Romans chapter 13 in some high level Uh, Then look at the passage itself, and then um, try and work through some implications from the the passage. Okay, how did Paul get here? Would you mind turning with me in your Bibles to um, Romans chapter 12, where this subject of love really is picked up? That's page 1139 in the Bibles there. Romans chapter 12. So we're not going to read all of this, you'll be glad to know, but I'd like to just, uh, if you like, in helicopter terms, skim low over the countryside so we can get an idea of the terrain and, and get an idea about where, where Paul's coming from when he gets here in verse 8 and says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. So at the beginning of chapter 12, Paul is urging the Christians in Rome to um, offer their bodies as living sacrifices. And one of the things that's interesting in this section of, about love, uh, in Romans really 12 to 15, is that the subject of um, payment, repaying, not repaying, and free will giving in terms of sacrifice seem to pop up in different places. Initially, you don't sort of see them, but when you look at the overview, uh, it's quite an interesting theme that's obviously there in the back of his mind. So he starts off by encouraging the Christians to offer their bodies as living sacrifices. Then he talks about transformation, how our minds can be transformed, and how then um, we can actually recognize what God's will is and actually approve it, love it, and appreciate it. Um, when actually, when we, before we knew Christ, we might actually have shrunk from his, his will for our lives and wanting to, to run it for ourselves. Then he goes on to talk about living um, as a team within the body of Christ um, in verses... Um, 3 to 8 in Romans 12. And um, this is, this is a, if you like, a free will gift of the believer using their gifts to build up the church. So again, it, in a way, it sort of echoes this sacrifice that Paul talks about in the headline verse in, in verse 1 of chapter 12. And then he mentions qualities of love. In verse 9 to 13, I'll just read some of that. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people 
who are in need. Practice hospitality. Then there's a little section about uh, revenge. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, it says. And it, it goes on to say, you know, God will do any paying back that's necessary. So again, we get this sort of repayment transaction thing. Instead of it being a free gift of revenge, <laughs> you, you decide in that case not to repay, not to offer that to your enemy. And that links back to all we were learning here at St. Matthew's when we were looking through the Sermon on the Mount back between January and April earlier in the year. Um, then Paul talks about our citizenship on earth and um, uh, how we, we owe the authorities certain things. Um, we owe them taxes, we owe them um, respect, we owe them revenue, uh, and that is the beginning of chapter 13. And then we get to our passage, to, to love um, and its importance. So, let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt of love to one another. And, and then it says how the, uh, in, in high level, how the, this, um, that how love embodies and fulfills the Old Testament law. And this was something we saw again in, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. That Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. And then it goes off into another section in, in chapter 14. Uh, after it's talked a little bit about the Jesus' second coming, which is a reason for being urgent about this love. Not saying, oh, I'll love so-and-so later. Um, it's plenty of time. I'll be a bit grumpy with them now. Um, we, we, we need to love one another now and love our neighbours now because we don't know how long we've got. Um, I remember when I was 18, a guy I knew told me at a party, you really ought to... Th- well, I was actually a bit younger, 16... You really ought to make that decision for Christ. Don't sit on the fence. Don't think about it any longer. You don't know whether you'll get run o- walk out of here tonight and get run over. And that friend, about a year later, did get himself run over, having um, walking back along a dark country road late at night. Uh, I'd made a commitment to God, and, and he had too. But um, he was so right to make that decision when you know about it, when you've got that in front of you, don't put it off. Do something about it, if God is talking to you now. And then in chapter 14, Paul talks about um, sticking with Christians, even if they are annoyingly strict, if they are seeming to emphasize purity on an extreme level, um, he's not really talking about Christians who are kind of very flexible here. He's talking about ones who find certain things trigger their consciences. And he encourages the believers to bear with one another, um, even if they don't see eye to eye in that area. So that's the end of our um, high-level overview of, of where the passage is. It's in this whole section from 12 to 15, to the middle of 15, Um, And that's all linking around Christian behavior and and love is kind of bubbling along underneath in all of that. So 
what might it mean to let no debt remain outstanding except the debt of love? So this is another heading. Um, the, this is the practical, practical bit. Some things that we could live out that might uh, reflect this behaviour. And notice that here, although it says, let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. And presumably he's talking there about other Christians, because usually when Paul is talking and the New Testament is talking about one another, it's relating to the body of Christ. He also talks about how this love uh, to the neighbour or to the fellow man is embodying and fulfilling the, the, the law. He's not, and he's just talked about the authorities who are not Christian authorities. So although he's asking us to love one another, it's clear, I think, from the passage's context that this love should also be extended to people who are outside of God's people. How could, how could we do this? So a very obvious application of the passage is to pay up Supposing we owe somebody else in the church some money or we've borrowed something that we ought to give back um, and we've had it long enough, maybe we should just make sure that we don't have that debt hanging over us. And then we've also got the, a treasure within us, which is uh, the good news that God has given us about how Jesus has saved us from ourselves, saved us from our sinful nature and the sins that we've committed. And, and that dynamite message uh, is something that we owe to the, the people around us who don't know him yet. Uh, back in 2 Kings chapter 7, the, there was a siege of Old Testament Samaria. It had been going on for a very long time and people were so hungry that they were even reduced to looking around for a family member that they might eat or, uh, you know, the most disgusting thing is just to fill their stomach. It had been going on for a long time and everyone was desperate. Some men who were um, uh, basically outcasts uh, decided that enough was enough. They were about to die if they didn't get any food soon. Let's go out the other side of the city wall, surrender to the enemy. And if the enemy gives us food, that's fine. If they kill us, we're going to die anyway. So they they slip out and they discover that God has done an amazing miracle um, during the night. The uh, besieging people um, had just cleared off because they had the impression that somebody was pursuing them. And they find that the whole camp as far as the eye can see, is empty tents full of goodies. So they just stuff themselves because they're so hungry. And then you get this interesting verse, which isn't specifically speaking about sharing the good news, but it, it, it relates to a, that physical good news they had then. What we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. It's a great message that we have. It, It can heal from addiction, as we heard the other um, uh, evening service from James Sparrow, restore marriages and give us a hope that we never had. Um, And this is something that we've just got to get out to our our friends, our family, and and out into the community. So that was, um, so pay up was one sub point. 
Sharing the good news, a second sub-point. Third one, live close to your neighbours and to your neighbourhood. Build community. Spend time in the neighbourhood. Walk the streets. Talk to people at the bus stop. Build links with the local schools. Maybe if you have children, that's easier than if you don't. Get an allotment. Uh, We have an allotment on off Circuit Lane, and it's a great way to meet uh, people, especially older men. And now, these days, lots of trendy young people are trying to get onto the allotments as well. It's a great community place to have interaction. Enjoy the park and the meadows. It's, uh, again, a good place to, to relate to members of our, of our neighbourhood. Meet the youth, as we're trying to do on Friday nights um, at the Mission. Um, unchurched youth who we're trying to provide a... <laughs> Uh, a drop-in place for where we can chat to them, they can have a nice evening. And um, we've got the exciting opportunity of Christmas carols right out there in just two weeks' time um, with the community. So all of those things are a way that we can just dig into our local estate, dig into the parish and express that love, which may result in us sharing the good news keep moving on that's another sub point and not not a reminder to hurry up because i think i've still got a few minutes um in the parable of the sower the whole area that was um to be sown with seed got sown um the sower didn't just keep putting seed in one place until it eventually uh, fruited he went from area to area until the whole lot got covered and um, sometimes I think we have to, uh, to keep moving on to make sure that we keep giving an, an opportunity to those who haven't yet heard um, about the Lord, um, about his news. Otherwise, if we just keep sowing the same person over and over again, um, we're not going to reach a whole community. Uh, we've got nearly, is it 15,000 people in the parish pads? roughly, and three or four thousand on the estate. Um, If each of us was to, if we were to break that down amongst each of the people that meet here on a Sunday morning, that would be about 500 each to reach the parish or thereabouts, I think. Um, Whatever it is, it's a a big number and it's going to be challenging to uh, keep moving on and Paul's work often involved moving from place to place. He was an unusual person. He was itinerant. But um, uh, in 2 Corinthians 10, 16, he says, Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. So there was always continuity in his work, there was always follow-up, there was always faithfulness, there was always giving people a second chance, but he did keep moving out. He never got stuck. And then three other little sub-points as to how this could be worked out. And these are more focused to us as a fellowship of believers and, and as God's people. We can express this debt of love by listening to one another. Now, this isn't easy. We all come from different temperaments and backgrounds. And uh, sometimes when 
We say something we think we're hearing and we don't always hear. And it's not always easy to listen to everybody. But this is one thing that we can do to show love. Because in the world, it's so easy just to move on to somebody else without actually thinking or listening to what they've said. And and listening to one another is a way where we can share our hurts, we can... um, We can express our sorrows and our joys, and and it builds our community as the people of God. We can encourage one another, another little heading. One of the things that Paul was not brilliant at was encouraging. Uh, Barnabas, whose name meant son of encouragement, was really good at this. And he often had to do the sort of following up from when Paul had had a bust up with somebody like John Mark in, in Acts. And then the last of these uh, possible ways that we can love one another is is to sharpen one another as Christians. What do I mean by that? In Proverbs 27 verse 17 it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And it doesn't explain exactly what that means later on in that passage. But I think we can take it to mean that we can use the Bible, we can use our knowledge of God to encourage and sharpen and, and hone one another and, and spur one another on into a greater knowledge of God and um, into um, a, a deeper knowledge of his, his word. So as the passage goes on, it talks about the day is near and that would be a whole other sermon in itself. Um, so we won't cover that, you'll be pleased to know. So pretty well done. I've just got one other thing, which is um, here we Paz has very kindly printed out for me a list of all the verses in the New Testament, or a lot of them, um, relating to one another. I think you might find it quite interesting. Feel free to pick one up at the end. Um, but this verse has got that one another in it. And you may find this quite an interesting source of study in the rest of the week. So thanks very much for listening. Sorry about the PowerPoint not being there. Hope that was helpful.